Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 18. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Last week, we learned that Jesus crossed the brook of Kidron. And I told you, get your pen, write this down if you don't have it written down. Kidron means murky, dark. The water was murky and dark because it was the Passover season. The city is bulging with people. There are thousands of lambs being slaughtered. And I told you the priests are soaked in blood as they're slaughtering 250,000 lambs within a two-hour window. That's a lot of blood. And blood is being tracked through the city. Blood is running down the Temple Mount into the brook of Kidron. So from the Temple Mount, try to get this in your mind's eye. From the Temple Mount, there's like this conduit where they would slay uh, and slaughter the animals. And the blood would then run down this conduit into the brook of Kidron, which is like a a body of water, which is like a river uh, bed of water. Uh, If you go there today, as a matter of fact, we are going there in January. Um, We'll we'll cross the brook of Kidron, and and, uh, the brook of Kidron today is is a highway. Um, It's a little anticlimactic, actually. Um, It's a highway. There's a soccer field down there, and I think an amphitheater. But in Jesus' day, it was just a, it was just a brook. It was just a, a, a free-flowing body of water that the blood would flow down uh, from the temple into this brook. So Jesus leaves the temple mount and he heads uh, down the mountain and he crosses the brook of Kidron. And under his feet, listen, saints, under his feet, he sees water mingled with blood. And perhaps, maybe just perhaps in my sanctified imagination, in just a few short hours, his water would be mingled with blood. As blood would flow from his side and water would flow from his side as a soldier would thrust a spear into his side. Well, Jesus heads up the other side of the mountain and he enters the Garden of Gethsemane. And meanwhile, 600 soldiers, remember I told you, 600 soldiers enter the Garden of Gethsemane. And they've come to arrest the meekest man on the earth. Judas identifies him with a kiss. Peter wakes up groggy, unsheathes his sword, and he cuts off the right ear of the high priest Malchus. We didn't have time last time to look at this. But I wanted to give you some interesting contrast between the first garden and the second garden, or the Garden of Eden and the Garden of Gethsemane. In the first garden, Adam sinned and rebelled against the Father's will. In the second garden, Jesus submits to the Father's will. 
In the first garden, the first Adam was disobedient. The second garden, the second Adam, Jesus, was obedient even unto death. In the first garden, the first Adam hid from God. In the second garden, the second Adam, Jesus, runs to God in prayer. In the first garden, man was driven out because of sin. In the second garden, Jesus comes in to prepare his soul to die for our sins. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. In the first garden, the first Adam hid in shame. In the second garden, the second Adam, Jesus steps forward. In the first garden, the sword was brought out to protect the tree of life. In the second garden, the sword was put back into its sheath. The garden scene is recorded in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew and Mark and Luke, we see more of the humanity of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we see Jesus in agony and anguish in the garden, and we find him in sorrow and crying and sweating great drops of blood. John is writing to prove and highlight that Jesus is the Son of God. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, their purpose is to present uh, the, the, the humanity of Christ. Where John's purpose in his writing is to present the deity of Christ, that Jesus is God. And so the theme uh, in John is John, it's, it's found in John chapter 20, verse 30 through 31. And John says, and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written, here's why that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Well, let's get to it, saints. I've titled this sermon, Trials and Denials. John chapter 18, we pick up in verse 12, because we left off in verse 11. We go verse by verse here at Calvary Chapel. Somebody say, that's a good thing. In verse 11, we left off. We pick up in verse 12. If you're looking at verse 12, saints, I need y'all to say a hearty amen like you're alive. Then the detachment of troops and the captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus. And what they do, saints? They bound him and they led him away to Annas first. Underline that. Annas first. For he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. Now, it was Caiaphas who advised the Jews that it was expedient that one should die for the people. And Simon, in verse 15, Simon Peter, that is, followed Jesus. And so did another disciple, unnamed. Now, that unnamed disciple was known to the high priest. And he went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside the door. And then the other disciple who was known to the high priest. So the high priest knew this other unnamed disciple. Went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. And then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? And he said, I am not. Now the servants and the officers who made a fire of coals and stood there, for it was cold. And they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. Well, then the high priest then asked Jesus in verse 19 about his disciples and about his doctrine. 
And Jesus answered him, I spoke openly to the world, and I always taught in the synagogues and in the temple where the Jews always meet, and in secret I have said nothing. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me and what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. And when he had said these things, one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand. Imagine smacking God, saying, do you? Answer the high priest like that? And Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why do you strike me? And then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Saint, stop right there. Give me your attention. So the introduction in verse 12 begins with what I see as a great irony. Calvary Chapel I need you to help me out. A detachment is how many soldiers? Just yell it out. How many soldiers? 600. Very good. If you don't have that written down, you written down, you write it down. The word captain, you got your pen, means ruler of thousands. The officers, the temple police arrested Jesus and bound him. Therein is the irony. They bound the son of God as if those ropes could hold him. That's an irony. No rope could hold, I don't know how many saints, how many people, how many saints, y'all with me, y'all awake. How many saints in this room know that no rope can hold the Son of God? No rope can hold him. No nails could hold him to the cross. He created the rope that they used to tie him up. He created the nails that they used to hang him up. Nails didn't and couldn't hold him to the cross. Love did. Somebody say amen. A rope didn't keep him bound. Love did. Purpose and prophecy did. He was bound by the rope so that our souls might be loosed. Look at verse 13. It tells us they led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas. Now listen. The year Jesus was crucified, Caiaphas was the high priest. Caiaphas was the high priest from, eight, from 18 A.D. to 36 A.D., long time. Annas was officially recognized as high priest 6 A.D. to 15 A.D. If you were high priest, you had to be a descendant of Aaron. And when you became high priest, you were high priest for life. The office of high priest had become purely political at this time. Annas was the head high priest. Annas was like the godfather. Annas was like the mob boss. Annas was like the mafia don. Annas had five sons who would eventually become high priests. Caiaphas married the daughter of Annas, and so he's Annas' son-in-law. Caiaphas is currently high priest and had a good relationship with the Romans. And although Caiaphas had a good relationship with the Romans, some of the religious Jews still recognize Annas as high priest. Other Jews recognize Caiaphas as high priest because he was a Roman appointee. Now listen to me. If you haven't been listening, here's the time to turn on. Annas was crooked and corrupt. Annas was in charge of the merchants in the temple precinct. Now, remember I told you the temple precinct was this big, huge area. And when we go to Jerusalem in January 25th, I'm going to take you to the temple precincts and I'm going to let you see it for yourself. 
The temple precincts is this huge open area. Uh, at that time, it looked like a flea market or a super Walmart. So there were all kinds of merchants and booths there. They had a foreign exchange booth because money with Caesar's image on it was not accepted on the Temple Mount. So they're exchanging Caesar money for temple bucks. The only problem was they were charging exorbitant rates to change that money. During the Passover, people travel long distance to come and celebrate. Sometimes it was inconvenient to bring the lamb as an offering. And so many families would decide to buy a lamb when they got to the temple. And even if they bought their own lamb, they would bring that lamb. Are y'all listening? They would bring that lamb to the priest and the priest would inspect it and conveniently look at the lamb and look it over and look at his eyes and look up his nose and turn him over and look at the legs and the priest would look at, you know, he'd go, oh, well, you know what? Um, yeah, there's a spot right there, right? Can't you see that little spot? And the family's probably like, no, not really. Oh, but it's there. I'm the priest. Oh, well, it's a little spot right there. I'm sorry. You know, we can't, we can't offer this lamb because there's this little itty-bitty spot right there. But I tell you what, you need to get a new one. And you can get one right over there because we're selling pre-certified sacrificial lambs for uh, uh, 10 times the normal price. And you would have no choice because there's nothing that you can do about it. You travel a long way and keep in mind they didn't have cars. So they couldn't get in their car and go outside where they could get a cheaper lamb. Somebody say amen. Where they could get a cheaper lamb, they couldn't do that. So they had to buy that expensive lamb that was being offered, and that was a scam. And exchanging the money was a scam. The exchange rate was crazy. Again, you had no choice. It's almost like if you're hungry at the movie theater. You pay $10 to get in? And $250 for a box of popcorn, right? It's kind, of, it's kind of like that. So the Temple Mount is like a one-stop shopping den of thieves. And nobody's saying anything. Why? Because everybody's in on it. Everybody's getting a cut. Everybody's getting a piece of the pie. Everybody's getting paid. So Jesus shows up. He walks around. He sees these ripoff artists. He sees them selling oxen, sheep, and doves. He sees the money changers. And meek and mild Jesus is just walking. I love me some Jesus. Jesus is walking around cool as a cucumber. Walking around plaiting a leather uh Strap, a leather whip. He's just walking around looking like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Bunch of rip-off artists. Uh-huh. He's just plaiting a, a, a leather whip. And Jesus took that and he began to whip those people and turn over. Y'all know the story. Don't look at me like. He turning over the tables and whipping. And he's saying, don't make my father's house a dead thief. And yes, Jesus got angry. Meek and mild Sunday school Jesus, yes, he got angry. And he didn't need anger management. Jesus got angry because his father's house was being dishonored. 
The house of God was being dishonored. The temple of God was being disgraced. And instead of worship and prayer and praise in the house, it was a feeding frenzy of corruption and greed and wickedness. And Sunday school, Jesus took that whip and he went off. Love me some Jesus. He went off and turned over. He said in John chapter 2, you don't believe me? Look it up in your own time. John chapter 2, verse 16. Jesus said, don't make my father's house a house of merchandise. And according to the Talmud, now listen, I tell you all that to tell you this because I'm going somewhere. According to the Talmud, Annas the high priest was in charge of the temple precincts. Annas the high priest was in charge of all this ripping off that was going on and he was allowing it and making a lot of money from it. And can I tell you something today? These people who devise, and there is a lot of people in a lot of churches, not this one, but a lot of churches who devise schemes and who lay awake on their beds at night thinking of ways that they can extract money from your pockets. Don't you understand that those people will have to answer to God someday? They don't believe it, but I'm waiting while you clap your hands. They don't believe it, but they're going to have to answer to God someday. We see it all the time. The begathons, the telethons, the praiseathons. And every speaker, God showed them something different. Well, one speaker comes on, I just saw recently. He said, God showed me that everybody watching ought to give $1 a day. And it perks your ear up. $1 a day, $1. What's $1? Four quarters? I got four quarters lost in my seat in my car. Four quarters, one dollar a day. Everybody ought to give one dollar a day for the next 17 and a half years. I'm like, wait a minute. One dollar a day. Devising schemes. Or everybody listen ought to give $367 and you need to get that $367 seed sown into the ground. Who knows what I'm talking about? Get that $367 seed sewn into the ground. So because I'm about to pray. And when I pray and your $367 seed is in the ground, God is going to give you the increase right now. Come on, dial the phone right now, right now. Pick up the phone right now, right now. Pick up the phone right now, right now. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about, do you? I guess you don't. That's not of God. Or put it on your credit card, they tell you. Oh, yeah, put it on your credit card. Get the seed in the ground. Put it in your credit card. And, and listen, I'm going to tell you something. And, and you're not going to hear many preachers tell you this. I will tell you this. Putting something on your credit card means you can't afford it. So you're not giving to God anything. You are giving to what you cannot afford. If you can't afford it and you feel the Lord telling you to do it, then by all means, you should do it. But if you're there telling you put it on your credit card and you got to get that seed in right now while I pray as if God cannot move until you pray or when you pray, then God is going to do a work. I cannot buy that because that is not the kind of God I serve. The kind of God I serve is listening to me all the time. The God I serve says, come boldly unto the throne of grace to receive grace and mercy and help in a, in a time of need. The God I serve says, the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayer. 
anytime. I don't need to get in on your prayer. And I'm at work this morning at 2.30. I can't sleep. I got to get ready. I got church at 8 o'clock. And I got to get ready. God gave me this verse, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 3. I honestly could have heard it. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 3. By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time, their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. In other words, God sees, God knows, and God doesn't forget. And just because your destruction has not come, it does not mean it is not coming. That's what that verse says. Am I right about it? Am I right about it? Is the verse right about it? Is the verse right about it? God is always upset when people are extracting money. I'm talking to a brother on the phone yesterday, and he's telling me about a church that he came from, and they have what is called Super Seed Sunday. Does anybody know what that is? Super Seed Sunday. Super Seed Sunday. I said to him, well, now you got me intrigued. What is this? Super Seed Sunday is when you, you give the best. I mean, you give. He told me, he said, that they tell you, you give till it hurts. I mean, you keep writing them zeros till it hurts. Super Seed this is the Sunday we want to get all the money we can get. Super Seed Sunday. All kinds of ways to get money out of your purse. Well, the Talmud tells us that there was a curse pronounced on Annas and his line because they made the temple a den of thieves. Look at verse 13. Jesus has taken Annas first. Annas was already upset with Jesus because Jesus turned over the money changers. We got that, yes? So he's already upset with Jesus because Jesus is messing with his money. And you know, when you start messing with people's money, now you got my attention. Well, they bring Jesus to Annas first. This is out of order. This is out of protocol. These trials consistently contradict their own procedures and laws. Luke chapter 22, verse 54 tells us they brought Jesus to the house first, the house of Annas first. Now listen, these trials were supposed to happen in an official place, like a courtroom or a palace or somewhere official. You know, for those of you that have been arrested, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, stand to your feet. Where, where you at? You, I just want to, you know what I'm talking about. You know, it's supposed to take place. In, it'd be almost like they, that your, your trial, your court trial is held in the judge's kitchen. That's crazy. It's supposed to be in a courtroom, not in the judge's kitchen, but in a courtroom it's supposed to be. But they took Jesus to Anna's house. Another thing out of protocol, out of order, all the Sanhedrin had to be present. And that didn't happen. If they were going to pronounce execution, they had to try the case and go away for a day and reconvene and come back with a unanimous, unanimous decision. That didn't happen. They wanted Jesus gone. They were willing to break the law to make that happen. In our text, Jesus is bound and led away to Annas, father-in-law to Caiaphas. His name, by the way, is Joseph 
Caiaphas. Look at verse 14. It was Caiaphas who advised the Jews it was, it was expedient that one die for the people. Now write this down and look it up in your own time. John chapter 11, verse 49 through 52. He said the same thing in verse 50. He said, it works in our favor that one man dies for the nation. He said, it's either Jesus or the nation perishes. Verse 51 of Luke 11 tells us he did not say this on his own authority, but he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. Listen, Caiaphas didn't know that he was prophesying, not just the death of, the, of Jesus, but for all of God's children scattered abroad, for all of, uh, of the Gentiles. And I want you to look, read your Bible, look at verse 14. Look at verse 14. It was expedient that one man should die. What's the next word? For the people. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.